You are tuned into a Heads and Tails NFL Injury Report, where each week we discuss the latest injuries and sports health buzz surrounding the league in an attempt to make football safer to play at all levels. Dr. Wazim Bush provides expert medical insight, while my buddy Josh Boyd keeps us up to date on all current events and provides play-by-play analysis. And my name is Kevin Som, and I provide the perspective of a former player with a passion for changing a football culture that nearly took my life. If this is your first time to the show, I recommend checking out some of the athlete and expert interviews that we have previously published on this podcast. For detailed show notes and videos from this episode, go to headsandtails.org backslash injury reports. Welcome back to an all new uh, Heads and Tails injury report. You are currently listening to week seven of the 2018 season. And uh, this week we've got not a ton of injuries, uh, but enough to, to talk about and we're going to start off by going through the week seven injuries, and then we'll move on to a section called dumb or stupid, which is probably a first on the podcast. And then we'll move on to um, the helmet rule and like how it's still not being called when there's blatant examples of what should be, by definition, the helmet rule. And then we'll go on to our boy Vontez, um, because there's always something to talk about Vontez every week. And then we'll finish off with the NFL uh, way to play player of the week for week six. So let's start it off with um, Buffalo Bills running back LaShawn McCoy's concussion. I'll take it. Okay. It's <laughs> kind of um, what I was going for. The video that we have, the video clip that will be posted, um, it kind of cuts off right as he was about to uh, hit the ground. Um, but he was just running to the outside, the defensive back, uh, Right at the sideline, kind of dove at him at his uh, at his legs, and he tried to kind of jump over, and ended up kind of flipping, and uh, looked like landing landed on his head and his helmet. Um, so, like, it, like I said, the video cuts off right before it happens, but you like, see uh, the oh. you see the direction that's going. You can um, use your imagination. Yeah, it's uh, the one thing about this that I saw um, while watching games on Twitter was that the the Bills announced. Uh, that he was wouldn't come back due to a head injury, and like people on Twitter were like, head injury could mean like a cut, or uh, well, like why can't they just say concussion? And like that's kind of where what we talked about last week with the concussion stuff is how these teams I don't want to say get around the protocol, but like he didn't come back in the game because of a head injury. As that was what it was like. I don't want to say diagnosed, but like uh, publicly said. So I mean, if he never, they never technically say he has a concussion does he have to go through the whole protocol of the whole thing and so i don't know this is one of these examples i feel like of what we talked about last week kind of looked like a john jones uppercut with the knee to the to the helmet of the defender huh that yeah that, like, yeah that 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 too well <laughs> that's kind of what i got out of the the video i'm like <laughs> who got a concussion here yeah. like did you see the defensive back like he slammed his head into LaShawn mccoy's knee and it looked bad and that guy was fine? I didn't see him on an injury report, yeah. so I'm guessing. Mm. Suspect. <laughs> yeah, definitely questionable. But I was like, yeah, wait, wait, was this written correctly on Twitter? Like, whose concussion was this? <laughs> Especially because they cut off the part where he hit his head. Um, But I, I think LaShawn McCoy has like a pretty – he's got some concussions in his history as well. Most people do. <laughs> it seems <laughs> I like. I guess so, yeah. He's still, he's still recovering from his ankle sprain which was, um, you know, the, it seems kind of relatively minor in, in comparison. I think he, he'll be out about a week or so, one to two weeks, maybe, max. 
Um, but overall, that's that's what he's recovering from, right? Injury wise, I remember that we yeah. were talking about that earlier in the season. Uh, but next injury up, we got Los Angeles Chargers running back Melvin Gordon with a hamstring injury, and this was kind of announced pretty late in the week on into the game, so he didn't even play. Yeah, so there was some some uh, thoughts that there was some shadiness going by going on by with the training uh, staff in uh, L.A. Um, but basically, the guy couldn't do what he needed to do, and then they had to see, hey, let's check him out. Let's see what he can do. And as he progressed, then they held him out of the game. Um, you know, and much like other hamstrings that we've talked about, mainly Leonard Fournette, um, these are going to be tricky. And you're probably going to need probably about three days of full practice and uh, to kind of see, hey, whether or not he's going to be able to return. And with hammies and star players, I think they're they're going to take it uh, pretty cautiously. Yeah, I mean, look at Leonard Fournette. Yeah. And yeah. and also another reason why I think it's important, or a thing I a quote I pulled out from in regards to this injury, which I thought was good and conservative and kind of when you have a star player, you're trying to protect them and you want them for the end of the season, not just like here and now. Um, but their head coach said, I feel, I feel like I had to protect them today because I – don't want this to be a lingering thing. He probably, you know, sees Leonard Fournette down in Jacksonville. Yep. And he says, I want him get him back want to get him back for Seattle. And he's got a bye week off, so he'll be rehabbing, getting healthy, and hopefully we'll have him a, a full speed uh Melvin back in a couple weeks. And that's from their head coach. So it's cool to see quotes like that in regards to players and you would hope that it's not just because he's a star player. It's, Absolutely. You know, I think a lot of this and yeah, I I think it helps that he's their one of their they're starting running back, one of their better players. But I think a lot of this is it's a lot easier for teams um, in this specific situation to hold a guy out an extra week when they know they have a bye week on top of it. You know what I mean? So they're getting the extra week of rest, whereas a lot of times maybe if he has the same injury and they have five games in a row, um, they're not as likely to hold him out because it doesn't make – there's no there's not as big of an impact of missing one game um, comparatively to missing one and having a buy, does that make sense? Um, I, I think it's easier for teams to say, and I've, I've, I think the Steelers do this from just my history of watching them. Say like, okay, they have a, we have a buy next week. If we hold him out this game, he's going to get another extra week, so he'll be at a hundred percent at three weeks from now, basically. Whereas if they've had their buy and they have games every week, it's like, okay, I might hold him out this week, but. Uh, he's still not going to be 100% the week after that. So, well, you know what, let's just ride it out and see what you can do. Right. I, I think it, it really is dependent on um, the severity of the injury. You know, uh, owners, uh, managers, all of them, they're all going to want their guys to get in the game, especially if you're paying them quite a hefty sum of money. However, um, if the guy can't go and he can't show you that he's going to be able to protect himself, they're going to keep him out. I do agree, obviously, you know, the extra, the bye week gives you an extra week. So hopefully you get them as close to 100%, if not 100% by the end of it. But, um, you know, it, it goes back to the Fernet situation, right? You you roll the dice, you aggravate it, and now he's missing, what, four or five weeks already? He's not going to be back until after the, the bye week, um, at least with that injury. And one last thing to note on the the Melvin Gordon injury and uh, head coach Anthony Lynn 
Uh, so Coach Lynn was a running backs coach for the New York Jets um, back in 2012 when there was uh, an equipment manager intern who thought very highly and was very forward-thinking in terms of health and safety and player safety. So Who could well, that be? I don't know, but I wonder if he you know, had a little influence on him. Hmm. Definitely not. But Maybe uh, you need to give him <laughs> some love. Yeah, uh, that guy. Oh, oh. I will say it was cool that he got to let me throw like passes to the players. Yeah, uh, they're yeah. like going out for routes and stuff, and I was like, I can get used to this. But I heard you said you need to retune that arm after yeah. a recent session. Yeah, Josh and I threw the other week just to you know. I'm afraid of Josh after what he was talking about last week about. Throwing bombs in the parking yeah, lot? He was just throwing bombs. You can chuck it around a little bit. With a torn labrum? <laughs> Whatever. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, New England Patriots uh, running back, uh, Sonny Michelle. Mm. Sonny no. Michelle. Sony. 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 Just, just exactly how, like, how it's spelled. Yep. Um, okay. So he's got a knee injury potentially, but from what I've seen, it doesn't look too serious. It is. Well, it is a knee injury. Some good video on it though. Yeah, it is a knee injury, but it's not as serious as it looked from the video or is as, uh, I guess Patriot fans were fearful that it was going to be, um, just a kind of harmless run play up the middle. He got almost grabbed around the shoulders and kind of twisted around. So the defender was kind of swinging him around to tackle him and his leg just got caught underneath the defender. Um, like you said, the video looks pretty nasty. Yeah. Um, but they just said they did MRIs and it came back to just a sprain and he'll hopefully just miss a week or two. But it was a weird injury, to be honest. Um, when I looked at the video, there's not a full-on clear clip of everything. You know, like the... The videos that I saw online and things like that, they kind of obscure parts of it. Like his foot gets obscured and his knee gets obscured and all this other stuff. So I wasn't sure what the heck he injured at, at, in the beginning. I, I initially thought he, he had injured his foot and possibly had a Liz Frank injury when I took the first look at it because they kind of twisted around him. And we went through that mechanism last, last week. And um, his foot just kind of got stuck underneath and then, you know, you were looking at the knee and you wondered, hey, is that an ACL? You know, thankfully, the MRI was uh, clear. He's going to have some swelling in the knee. Could he have twisted and hurt the meniscus with that twist? That's a possibility. You know, I, I think he'll be out there in a, another two weeks or so. But uh, um, looked uh, looked like they really avoided <laughs> some uh uh, season-ending or, or long-term uh, injury for Sony Michelle. looked a lot worse than it turned out to yeah. be, which is always what you like to see. Yeah. One of those things we kind of talked about last week, would it have been the same outcome if it was turf and not grass? Because he was on grass, right? Yeah. 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 Whereas, whereas the grass gave, gives out just enough to really, I don't know, give him that extra little bit of safety wiggle room, whereas if he's on turf, maybe that same mechanism of tackle, and his, his foot just doesn't – have that give that it does on grass. Yeah, it's a good point. When I was making the outline, I remember seeing or noticing that he was happened to be on grass. See, these are the these are the connections I love when Josh po points out. You know, he starts tying in another previous session to this session, and he just gives it. It's almost it's like critical mind, thinking. It's it's super critical thinking, and your mind's almost blown. It's yeah. It's all we pay in the big bucks here. Boydcast. We just need to. Boydcast is coming. We yeah, we, we got we, it lined you know, up just, later on in the, in the pod. <laughs> Hold your horses over there, Waz, all right? Damn it. All right. Next injury up is Miami Dolphins wide receiver Albert Wids Wilson. That was an easy one. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how you screwed that one up. You didn't do that on purpose. Though. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, with a hip injury. I only put it here because there's a video of it. It looks kind of weird. There's a video of it, and he's been playing really well for them, actually. So um, even with Tannehill or with Osweiler, he's been he's kind of been their big play guy. He's been catching a lot of short passes and scoring a lot of touchdowns. Um, if there's any older listeners out there, this injury looks exactly the same as Bo Jackson. Yes, exactly my the man same. Bo. Um, there's just, uh, we get into what Bo Jackson was like. Playing, playing baseball, playing football, ridiculous and w- with the Raiders and ridiculous in college. And he never really got to his full potential because he had a hip injury. Um, Dislocated that, hip. That ended, basically ended his career. Um, and it just almost looks like um, the same thing. Albert Wilson was getting tackled from behind, just like Bo Jackson. Um, and he was like, he's trying to regain his balance. And like, as he's falling over, he just takes one step and it just seems like the majority of your weight gets too far out in front um, and your leg kind of gets stuck in the ground and it's a pretty nasty looking injury. But um, if you put them side by side, I'm sure they probably look almost exactly the same. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely similar to Bo Jackson. What happened here was a what's called a posterior hip subluxation. And we talked about um, Adrian Peterson with a shoulder subluxation a couple weeks ago. And it's similar, right? So those are the two joints in the body that are balls on on socket. In the shoulder, it's almost like a golf ball on a tee. In the in the hip, it's a ball in a socket. So to pop out that ball from um, from that socket takes a tremendous amount of force, and that's what happened with Bo Jackson. It ended his career ultimately. Um, this. Injury, uh, so anytime you get that ball popping out and there's that much force, you can injure the labrum. And there's a labrum in the shoulder, labrum in the hip, same concept. So if the labrum's injured, then he's going to need surgery for that. Um, And it's going to be a lengthy recovery. So apparently Jack Doyle had the same injury too. So Doyle's been out for, I don't know, a good four four to six weeks or something of that nature. Um, and he is starting to to make rumbles to, to come back in another two weeks or so. So Faster than I would have thought. Yeah, way faster. Um, but uh, we'll see what the MRI shows on him, um, and then we'll see he's probably going to need surgery for that. They said no surgery. That just it was like 20 minutes ago. Hey. No, no surgery, but he, but they did place him on injured reserve. So yeah. six to eight weeks. It's a tough injury, man. Sit, yeah, well, six weeks until you can practice, eight weeks before you can play. Yeah, but no surgery. I guess surgery probably would have been ended this. Yeah, ended the season. Yeah, there's so. a possibility if they made the playoffs, possible, but okay. um, you know, for the type of rehab you need, and and Doyle is uh, a case in in the same uh, setting here. Yeah, just to kind of. Go forward with what we talked about. Like, well, okay, so we're saying we put these guys, they yeah, put an injury reserve, IR, whatever. So the NFL has done a good, a really good thing, I think. Whereas two years ago, they changed the IR rule to allow um, one person to come back from injured reserve, but you had to designate that player before when you put them on injured reserve. Um, whereas in the past, going back three years and all the way in the before that, if you put a guy on injury reserve, he was out for the season, he couldn't come back. Um, so then they change it to, okay, you can put one guy on in, on injury reserve if you designate him um, that he can be there for eight weeks, can practice after six, and then he can come back and play. This year, they changed it again to where you can have you can bring two guys back off of IR and you don't need to designate them at all. 
Um, but it still needs to be a minimum of eight weeks that you're expecting them to be out? Correct. So they're, they can't practice for six and they can't play for eight. So they have two weeks of practice time where you have to take them back off. If you don't take them off of IR after those two weeks, um, then they revert back and they can't practice with it. So, uh, but at least it's, it's a lot better from a roster standpoint. Whereas, I mean, if you had guys that were going to have six, eight, 10 week injuries, uh, you had to carry them on your roster. You, right. So now you're down a man on, on, on your fifth, 53-man roster, which is almost lends itself to more injuries happening because you're because you have players playing different positions, less guys, um, less guys around. So uh, from this standpoint, I think they've done a much better job. And if um, you're the Indianapolis Colts, it's a 43-man yeah, roster. Exactly. Right? So. And and when you and then you're almost forced to okay, so wise, you have a four-week injury, um, but we have and you're a linebacker. We have three other linebackers who are who are out. So now we can't wait for you, even if it's just four weeks to come back. We got to put you on. IR because we need your spot for a healthy guy who can play, which which happened a lot too. So now it's a lot more. Um, there's a lot more freedom of movement for teams with their roster construction, which is uh, which is a good thing with injuries, and it also doesn't rush guys back quicker than 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 they might need to with the, with these new rules too. I sustained that injury after uh, Kevin gave me that <laughs> stiff arm from hell from like Vance McDonald. So <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Uh, next injury up is Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, linebacker Quan Alexander with a uh, knee injury. hasn't been confirmed, or it has, it been, has confirmed. been confirmed. Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, AC, ACL, yeah. and he got sniped. Yeah, it was just, yeah, he was almost came clean on a blitz. He's a middle linebacker, so he came clean on a blitz right up the middle uh, against Baker Mayfield, against the Browns. Um, and he, like, just tried to almost break down, change direction a little bit as Baker was moving around in the pocket. And it just, like you could tell, he just took a step and flipped it over and collapsed. Yeah. So it was, it was what was interesting was I heard that his replacement also tore his ACL. Yes, later in the game, yeah. What's going on? What are on? the odds? Yeah, seriously. Maybe yeah. it's a cursed position. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, then we've got some – I made a whoopsie uh, a couple weeks ago, or last week, just yeah. missing an injury. Not a um, whoopee, but a whoopsie. Whoopsie. There we go. Uh, first one being uh, Jay Ajayi, Philadelphia Eagles uh, running back with a torn ACL. This came out in the middle of the week, though, so it wasn't – I don't – I'm not blaming any – I'm, yeah. I'm not I'm not shouldering the blame for yeah. this because it was just uh, – I don't even remember him getting hurt during the game because he's he's been having the back stuff, so it wasn't. And then in the middle of the week, there was like, ah, oh, we placed him uh, on IR with an ACL. So he got hurt in the game, and they put him back in with a knee brace in the game. Um, and on the play that it happened, he was uh, pass blocking and just got trucked. He went back and slipped moving backwards, and then knee just buckled, and he tore. And then they, they thought it wasn't as serious because sometimes these injuries can, can be masked. It, it, it shows you the, the, the range of ACL injuries, how, how people, some people can tear it, still play on it, and still be fine with it. Other people tear it, and it's like they've been shot dead. And then, you know, there's just a, a middle ground with it, too. And, like, I think you've mentioned before, like, sometimes you just have those freak athletes with, like, super strong quads yeah. and hamstrings that, like, it's almost like they don't even need an ACL because their muscles are so strong. Adrian Peterson. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another injury that we missed was uh, Marshawn Lynch running back for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, he went on IR with a groin injury. 
same type of thing. I mean, he's been banged up all year. Um, so this wasn't uh, a one play. This is more of like yeah. a cumulative thing. Um, and I mean, they're, I don't want to say they're tanking, but yeah, they're almost tanking. They are. So they just, they just traded away yeah. and, that wide receiver, traded away Mac at the beginning of the season. I mean, yeah. Chucky's, it's they're, like, they're cleaning house over there. It's like Halloween. Yeah. So it's, but he, they put, <laughs> they, 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 they put him on. Halloween's next also. week, dude. Damn. Uh, and so with Marshawn, he has what's called a sports hernia. Um, and that's a common misconception, misconception because it's not really a hernia per se. It's actually a tear in your core muscle, um, either the abdominal rectus or, um, uh, adductor, uh, muscles, which is part of the groin as well. So, um, He's going to be out, and question is, what does this mean for Beast Mode? Is this the end of Beast Mode? Is I don't know. Well, he already retired, and then he came back, right? It's true. He took a year but off. Took a year off. He's kind of like Hulk Hogan, though. You know what I mean? Just I took a gap year. <laughs> what you saying? Such brother? a millennial thing to do. Yeah. You know? Um. All right. So we'll have to be on the lookout for that. Then another injury is uh. Gronk, he didn't play this week. Uh, Patriots tight end. Yeah, so he didn't even travel with them. Uh, they said back spasms. This is why they didn't want to. I guess couldn't travel, couldn't go on the get get on the team flight. Um, but it seems like this year has been the first. I mean, he's been hurt a lot in the past, but this seems to be the first year where one he looks a little different. Seeing him when he is playing. Um, I mean, in the past, we've talked about him being like the Michelin man and having braces and pads everywhere. I just, but like this year, it seems like he's a little bit slower. It's just, um, it seems like all of the injuries that he's had and all, he's had a lot of serious injuries um, that are finally starting to catch up with him. And it's like we talked about with, uh, I think the next guy we'll talk about, Devontae Freeman. It's at, at, at what point does this cumulative effect of not even so much of how Gronk plays, it's how people are forced to play against him mm-hmm. that is if he's he just is he ever going to be um what in his what he was in his maybe what his prime was two years ago maybe when he was just unstoppable um from a health standpoint can he ever be anywhere close to 100 percent again do the patriots are so secretive i don't know that i trust this report i feel like they just slapped it on as muscle spasms because we know he has a bad back you know why reveal anything else right and you technically, I guess on on the NFL with their injury reports, they have to be somewhat accurate with what they're reporting. Um, but who's going to question that the guy's got a back injury? We know he's had the surgeries, of course, back spasms, but there was this talk about an ankle and all this other stuff. So I don't trust the Patriots. I think it's all set up. Yeah, and as Josh had mentioned that Devonta Freeman is on IR with a knee foot groin, et cetera, just beat up in general. Yeah. And what I want to point out with like all these guys, you got beast mode, Gronk and Devonta Freeman. Like these are all dudes that just play hard and they've always played hard. That's their style of play. Yeah. And I say it often on the, the podcast. It's like, if you play like that, it comes with a price, you know, it's, sexy and flashy for a short period of time but after a while your body can only take so much and we might be looking at a point where that's the case i mean marshall lynch he's been in the league for how long like yeah but 10 he, years yeah, but, but he took he, a year he took a year a full year off gap year yeah, yeah. which i think from a Sadical. health standpoint like is, is super health healthy for a running back i mean that's that's huge for him yeah no, but, that's a good point but yeah 
Um, all right. So, you know, do you know what? Um, sorry to no, sidetrack a little bit, but you know, I read a really cool um, article about Marshawn Lynch, and um, I think it was by Jermaine Curse, and Curse was saying it was the first time that he ever met Marshawn and how nice of a guy he is. You know, we know him as beast mode and all this other stuff, but he's apparently like a teammate that everybody loves. And Curse came in, he went up to, to Marshawn, Marshawn had walked by and he goes, oh, you're, he, I really like your backpack, it's such a nice this, that, and the other. And Marshawn turned around, didn't say a word, took everything out of his backpack and gifted it to him, just right then and there. And he was like, go for it. He was like, that's the type of teammate that he is. He just, you know, loved by everyone and has a heart of gold. Yeah, and that might be why they, you know, wanted to bring him on the team to try to turn things around and kind yeah. of set a culture for uh, the the locker room in in Oakland. Yeah. All right, and it looks like we have a, a call. <laughs> it looks like we have a caller. Uh, looks like we got Vince Guarini on on the phone here, uh, calling from. Where, where are you calling from, Vince? I'm actually calling from uh, Rockford, Illinois. Oh, Whoa, Rockford, Illinois. That's definitely a first on the podcast here. Absolutely. So, uh, so Vince, you got a question for us today? Yeah, actually. Uh, not sure if you guys saw, but uh, Odell Beckham apparently isn't a fan of the stomach feeling uh, associated with drinking water and prefers <laughs> IVs to stay hydrated on the field. Doesn't seem like it helps at all because he still gets cramps. But <laughs> I was just wondering, what's better for staying hydrated on the playing field? Is it drinking water or getting IVs? That's a that's a good question, Vince. Uh, you know what? Um, it Oral hydration is the best way um, by far. Uh, IV hydration, there's been a lot of articles out there and, um, it really hasn't proved to, to do anything. So you may ask the question, well, why do guys like to get the IV hydration? And the biggest thing with that is a psychological standpoint of it. Although the science doesn't say, Hey, it, it, it does anything for you. Um, you know, these guys feel like it gives them an edge. And so a lot of guys actually get pre-hydrated with IVs because it's something that they were standardized and used to do back in college, and it's their pre-game routine. It, don't get me wrong, you know, I, IV hydration does have its place when somebody's severely dehydrated and needs volume to get back into it. But, um, you know, as far as which one's better, um, if, if you had the choice, it would be oral hydration by far. All right. Thanks a lot, Vince, for your for your call. And Dr. Waz, thanks for uh, giving us that information. I'm sure a lot of people are curious about that. Awesome. Great. Thanks. Thanks Bye. again, Vince. But uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, is there any like cooling effect to it as well? Like, I would think that if you had a bag of IV, yeah. you know, it's not it's like room temperature. You know, it's probably not. Yeah, I mean, even so, the the liquid itself is a little bit cooler maybe it's at room temperature sometimes it's a little bit cooler um if you wanted to cool down an athlete you could do it by just putting the the iv in uh in in a fridge or something like that and give him the iv it will lower his core temperature um sometimes people will warm up an iv a little bit too and um float it in that way for for those that are overly cold or suffering from some sort some sort of hypothermia or whatnot um but those are uh, few and far between situations. But, yeah, overall it can. But do we do it for that? No. Okay. If he really doesn't like water that much, is there any other option besides an IV? Mio. 
Gatorade Mio. Just give it some flavor. Well, I mean, it's it's it seems like it's not as much of a water as it is a a taste, a, a taste of version. Yeah. A t- uh, not even that. It's uh, an amount of liquid in your stomach. Yeah. So you know, um, that's the thing. So in in cases where you you have some sort of barrier towards oral hydration, IV is the next best thing for you to do. Right. So in this case, what I guess he's saying is that the sensation of of all that liquid inside his stomach makes him nauseous or just makes him feel uncomfortable so you know i think we've we've all felt that before like if you chug a way too much water and you just have it right up up on against your throat you know what i mean they start jumping around you feel like bouncing around yeah Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what he said you're just gonna puke so overall these guys should be hydrating prior to the game and kind of getting themselves in a slower time. And yeah. if you do that beforehand, you're going to hydrate properly. So you don't force yourself to chug it. Yeah. We tell this to, to all the high school kids all the time too, right? We're, we're telling them constantly, you know, it's going to be a warm night out. Yeah. Go. The night before, drink. The Absolutely. Day, during the day, drink. Absolutely. Yeah, stuff, yeah. You know, it's not, hey, chug a whole ton of stuff when you're competing. Word <laughs> of the day, hydration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What was that? Our baseball coach said that <laughs> yeah, growing up. It was up? a Sturge quote. Yeah. <laughs> Word of the day. Love it. That's awesome. Playing at Rock Spring in 105 degrees, double headers. Yep. We <laughs> survived. Good times. Brought to the brought to you by the letter H and the number two. And, and the, the letter, letter o. o. I like that. Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so this is uh, an interesting topic here and this is under the dumb or stupid category uh or smart dumb stupid or smart dumb stupid or smart yes so that that comes out i mean so i guess the odell part is under that category as well but this next one is deshaun watson uh took a bus to the game because he couldn't fly due to injuries so it didn't say couldn't fly it said it's better to not fly Okay, better to not fly. Either way, you're driving 12 hours in a bus. Can't fly makes it sound a lot more dire than it was. It'd be better for him to not fly, but he well, could have probably flown. The, the Texans were concerned to. about the effect of air pressure could have yes. on Deshaun Watson's bruised lung and injured ribs. Um, so he they, was sent to Jacksonville via bus, a 12-hour ride, instead and of taking flight. Yeah, and, and back, back, back with the team. Uh so what they thought happened was that he suffered what's called a pneumothorax, which is a collapsed lung, right? So something gets a little punctured, uh, usually in traumatic types of um, events. A little bit of air gets in between the pleural space and the lung itself and pushes against the lung like it almost compresses it, right? And so sometimes what you have to do in, in big cases like this, in, in bigger cases of, of pneumothoraces, you need to put in a chest tube and let some of that air out so that the lung can re-expand. Now, if you have a little pocket of air and you go up into higher altitude, the air can expand even more because of the pressure effect. And that can cause the, the lung to collapse even more. And that's the, that's the fear. If that happens, then he's going into respiratory distress and then he's going into some cardiac issues. And technically, based on like... British Thoracic Society medicine and and stuff like that, you can go back theoretically within two weeks to flying. Um, And once you have an x-ray that shows that, hey, it's not, um, you know, it's resolving and things like that. But uh, 
I think this is the at least the third week now that he's been playing with us. So theoretically, could have probably chanced it in flight. Um, but I think this year, this week he's gonna home. He's, yeah. They're home. So they're they're the home next on, road yeah, game. He'll, yeah, he'll fly. They're yeah. home on Thursday night, and then they go to Denver. Um, it just from uh, this is a good question for you, Oz. I mean, it seems like. Anytime you hear something, oh, he can't fly or it's better for him not to fly, it sounds like a very serious injury, but then he's playing anyway. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's their quarterback and he's uh, a big part of their team. So, I mean, is this a dangerous injury to play with um, or is it just one of those things where it sounds – the sounds of the situation is a lot worse than it actually – Well, the tweet that caught my eye about this whole thing was uh, Dolph Kleiman. Yeah. Um, he said, can't fly due to injury. Obviously, your verbiage is more scary. But he says, can play against NFL linebackers, which is kind of what we're getting at. It's like, all right, so you have to take a bus 12 hours yeah. while your team is flying, yet you're going to expose yourself to hits from 250-pound yeah. linebackers who are on a 4-4. But that's yeah. a very leading – I mean, it's a very leading tweet. It's a very well, uh, a passive-aggressive yeah. attack on without, – uh, without any details at all. Um, it's very easy for you to say that, but at the end of the day, uh, how – Oh, like you said, so th this injury, I mean, yeah, it, it, so it's he's going to be uncomfortable, right? When he's playing through it, right? So the lung is expanded back again, right? There's still just a little bit of space that's still there. That's, that's got this quote unquote collapsed portion of it, right? It's less than 10%. Otherwise he wouldn't be able to, to do the things that he's doing. And you can give him protection so that you protect the ribs and um, hopefully protect him from getting any other traumatic type of injury. Now, if the guy suffers another, he gets hit directly there and um, gets uh, another rib broken, he could absolutely worsen this thing and puncture it even more. And That could happen anyway. Yes. But it could happen. However, all of that could just happen out of the blue in yeah. the air, right, if he were to fly. Yeah. So that's the thing. Don't put him in a situation that you know will most likely cause this. In in playing, he has to get hit at the right angle with the same type of things happening. So yes, dangerous both ways, but um, a little bit less, um, or the ability to play is still there. And another thing that bothered me about this whole situation is kind of the portrayal that Deshaun Watson, some sort of freaking warrior yeah. for for doing this, and I don't just for let me let me talk for the example that it's setting <laughs> for young athletes. I'm just putting myself back in my 14 year old shoes, and when I look up to guys who play in the NFL, like oh wow, like he didn't fly on the plane because he has a collapsed lung, and now he's playing out there in the NFL, and like I I wouldn't put two and two together. Yeah, it's a 10 percent collapsed lung. It maybe it's not as serious as it, it sounds. But in my head, as a 14-year-old kid, I'm thinking, well, you know, if he, he could play with a collapsed lung, so I could play with X, Y, Z. You know, yeah. like it, it puts a perspective on things, I think, in a negative way. And Absolutely. his teammate, um, uh, the Honey Badger. Yeah, the Honey Badger. How do you say his first name? I'm not going to tell you. Go for it. Tyran. You can do it. Yeah. Tyran. Matthew. Uh. <laughs> what? How is it? Matthew. 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 Wow. Wow, who spells it like that? He's from uh, he's from LSU. He's clearly from, well. I, I was yes. due. I was due. <laughs> so, um, 
he had he was saying how tough he was and how I he can't stress enough you know how you know he's everything that we're trying to be as a team by his performance playing hurt like that. I I, I know and we've we yeah. we've talked about this already this year and I I completely agree with your sentiments about the how it looks to kids younger kids playing yeah. football but my my issue is and as much as you might not like to hear this like the that mentality of football i don't think is ever going to change due to the fact that these guys are so trained on how to like he's saying this in interviews they're so trained on how to deal with the media it's like we what we this talked about with with like mike mccarthy at the beginning of the year and aaron yeah. Rodgers. like they're so trained to not say anything of value that the easiest things to say all there are the cliche football cliches about toughness and all this stuff so like go out there and uh, give it 110 percent yeah. and uh, play as a team and which is like, I say a lot by saying nothing. And, uh, yeah. 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 Like, that's to, to me the biggest problem of what you're saying in toughness of football is that it's a self fulfilling prophecy because it, it's just, it, it goes around in a circle because people talk of it because it's easy for, it's easy for them to say, you know, it's that's, that's, the, that's the easiest answer. Okay. So you're Deshaun Watson's teammate and you're getting interviewed on NFL Network and they ask you about Deshaun Watson. What are you going to say? He's, He's tough. He's an idiot. There's I wouldn't no, have done it. Yeah, no. <laughs> there's no I in team, you know? uh, but there's so, a M and an E. So uh, go out there you know, and give it 110%. Me, I definitely, you know, I definitely wouldn't be playing. I would put myself on IR. I would, you know, so I'd like, tap out. That's 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 the biggest problem. Yes. Does it, it does it per- portray something that maybe it shouldn't to to younger players? Yes. But it's I just I don't see that ever changing because it's the easiest answer, and these guys just give the easiest answer. I see what you're saying, but at the same time, it's like, well, then why the hell do we have this podcast to talk about it? Well, and well, no, 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 we're not because we're changing. Like what, what, what can be changed in football is all is completely different than this one aspect of toughness. I think, I think the game itself can be a lot safer, and that's the majority of stuff that we're that we're kind of focusing on. Whereas the these guys are going to say toughness and all that stuff a hundred and ten times a year. It's always going to be. Hey, we're warriors. We're not dandelions and and pansies over here. You know what I mean? You're you're never gonna hear the honey badgers say, "Well, it was nice running around in the meadow and feeling the flowers and the wind against my my skin and all that other stuff." You're never gonna hear that. You might, but in a different context. But <laughs> uh, he's, you know, they're always gonna show that. Hey, you know what? As a team, we're kind of trying to rally around our injured guy and we're always going to be kind of fighting for him and you know never give up it's that never give up mentality yeah i think there's something to be said about that i understand aspect but but yeah i understand your frustration i totally understand what you're saying because it does give off a um a hypocritical kind of a message to youth. Yeah. That's right. that's the hardest thing or the last thing that I think changes in football. Not alone the NFL, just in football. You can make the game as safe as you want. You can take out all the headshots and head hits and you can make strides on, on concussions and how they deal with them. But at the end of the day, these guys are all gonna keep saying things about toughness and they refer to the default like answering machine. Yeah, just just just, just because, it, like I said, it's easiest for them, and that's what they know, and 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 that's what they think football is supposed to be. So that's the hardest 
it's the hardest thing. That's going to be the hardest thing to change, I think, when, in the crusade. Yeah. I can't wait for the day when someone goes up there and was like, he 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 did what? <laughs> and he and he played. Wow, what wow. a dumbass! <laughs> it's gonna be great. I'm gonna. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Then he's gonna be fined. He's it's like, yeah, I was listening to the Heads and Tails podcast like yeah, ten years ago, dude. and they talked about an injury very similar Stupid. to this, and they were talking about how dumb it was for Deshaun Watson to play with this injury, and you know, I thought right back to that, and maybe it'll be Vontez's um, son. Oh, definitely yeah. Vontez's yeah. son. Oh, Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, we'll get to him later. <laughs> But speaking of dumb, stupid, or smart again, uh, Dak Prescott with his uh, smelling salts. Like, is that, a, is that still a thing? People still do that? You take this one first <laughs> from the medical standpoint, and then we'll get it, I'll get into Tony Romo, which is, yeah. I think, the biggest the, I the actually biggest, wanted to say the same thing the about Romo. The biggest problem about it. But yeah. from a smelling salt standpoint. You know, the smelling salts is kind of like ammonia, basically. That's all you're smelling, and it just kind of like wakes wakes you up because it's such a pungent smell that it, your body is just like, whoa, what the hell is that? You know, people still use them, um, but what's the what's the utility of them, and how well and how well they work, and so on? You really don't see it as often, and I was really surprised to see it in this game. Them using this, pulling this out, or even a clip that caught that. Multiple clips. The, the, one, the one thing I noticed about it was, regardless of the medical standpoint of it, hockey players do it all the time. Yeah. Hockey players, and, and, but they do it at the beginning of the game, so like, yeah. like get them, get them, get them, get heavy metal get and them, get sniff them, smelling get them salts, yeah. But like, if you watch a hockey player, and they kind of like pass it down the bench, if you watch a hockey player do it before the game starts, they have that visceral, uh, jolted reaction. The, the clip of Dak doing it, which the first thing that caught me was he's sniffing it, and there's no he had he there's had no response he had no response yeah. to it which was the most worrying yeah part of it that like I don't think I didn't hear anybody yeah. touch on like yeah it's bad that they got him doing it but like he was waving in front of his nose it's and either like, that or his upper lip smells worse than that <laughs> yeah. maybe so, he's just used to it so that was uh but like that that was my biggest takeaway from it but the the other thing is Romo yes and I and listen I I like Tony Romo I think he does a good job um he gives a lot of really good insights well for but, people who didn't see the hit he got lit up oh my god so he was running for a first down on third down and he's like a yard away and he dives tries yep. to like dive towards right out of bounds try to get the first down uh and he gets hit right in the side of the head um and he's down for a second um I think he got chest, yeah. shoulder, neck, and yeah. head. It was it was a pretty nasty looking hit. Um, and like this is this specific play, like this is the hardest thing when it comes to concussions. Like yeah. this, did he get a concussion from that? I don't I don't know. There's no there's no way for us to know whether he that is a concussion or not. But and like I said, for as much as I like Tony Romo. Like something he has to be careful of, especially, and I'm, I'm, I would imagine that the NFL will probably say something to, uh, maybe not the NFL, but CBS, and like, as soon as Dak gets hit, he's like, oh, that's a concussion, that's definitely a concussion. <laughs> like, I, Tony, like you don't, you don't know that, and so now by you saying that and him coming right back in the game, now it makes everyone look so much worse, and like I get it. Um, it's like the equivalent of us like yelling, he's dead, he's dead, <laughs> that's it. Oh, he's definitely dead. <laughs> so it's just. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll open this up to both of you. Yeah. And like I've last year when we first started this, I was very critical 
I feel like I was more critical than I am now of how teams dealt with plays like this and, sure. and, and, and and concussions. And now the longer I go, the longer we do this on, on a week-to-week basis, um, maybe, Kev, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you first. Like, I see that hit, and I've almost transitioned back to trusting the process that the NFL has in place and their doctors that um, if – we all saw the hit. They saw the hit. They're not They're not ignorant of it. They saw what happened. They checked him out on the sideline. And if they're clearing him to go back in the game, um, I've almost gone back sure. to, to trusting him that he's that, that, that it's fine. Um, but we've almost transitioned in, into the Twitter world to see this hit on Dak and be like, oh, he has a concussion. He shouldn't go back in the game. And I think that's almost unfair to the player also. Yeah. You know? So this is always going to be the big debate, right? And so you can't. There are some plays where you just know that obviously the guy's concussed because he's he's going the wrong way. He doesn't know where he is, all those types of things, right? Um, in these cases, Dak is a big boy, right? Um, and a lot of the times when we when we get concussed and things like that and we get hit, it's also the fact that your development in that area isn't as strong. And Dak has a body that it, that absorbed a bunch of that hit. So oftentimes, concussion symptoms don't necessarily just happen immediately, right? What will happen is as the game goes on, then they start declaring themselves, right? So in that initial evaluation, he could essentially pass what they do in their evaluation. And then he'll report later on if he's getting worsening headaches or dizziness or any of those types of things, right? So in the initial, after the initial hit, a lot of the times players are able to just be able to make it through everything that we put them through. Yeah. We, we check their balance. We check how they're feeling. We ask them about, um, hey, where are you right now? Kind of deal, who you're playing, what quarter we're in. Those types of things are, are common questions. You know what I mean? So it's always going to be the age-old debate. Just because he suffered a nasty hit, does it mean that he's uh, concussed? Not really. Sometimes it's just a good knock on the head. I just think that it's just like so archaic because like like what Josh says, I feel like we have made a lot of strides towards like with the concussion protocol and and trusting that the doctors are going to put them in a situation that is not going to put them in jeopardy for their short-term health and their long-term health. It was just more of like the visual that you're like, are you like – he gets evaluated for a concussion and some guy slips him a smelling salt and that's like this is 2018 we're still doing this like that that's the part it was just distasteful is Um, there okay so take the smelling salt out of it okay so say they didn't we didn't see that because that probably happens more than more than we think so they didn't catch that like is do you think in your opinion, is there a better way? And this is kind of what we've talked about. Is there a better way for this to be handled from that's uh, from the NFL standpoint, from a player standpoint, or 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 is this just is this the best we're gonna get? Like, what do you what what do you think? I think this is like more of a, a PR issue for the NFL. Yes, because it may it, although they may be making strides when you see something like this, it's like. What are these doctors like? Do they know anything? Did they go to medical school? Like, yeah. you know, what's the point of giving him a smelling salt? Like, no, 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 no. But take take, take the smelling salt out yeah. of it. You didn't see the smelling salt, okay? So take that take that visual clip of the smelling salt out of it. Just the 
just looking at the play, the hit, and him coming back in the game on the next drive. Like, I forget about the smelling salt. Uh, like, is this the best? Do you think there should be something more than just uh, a check on the sideline that they can do in five minutes and they can declare him okay? Because that's that's the di- most difficult thing for the NFL and for players and for fans, I think. Um, and fans similarly th- that are more so in your opinion and, and your uh, – On and, my side, yeah. And, and on your side. You, you know what I mean? Because he gets hit. It looks really bad. And then ten minutes later, he's in he's in the game on their next drive. But like I I feel like I've almost transitioned into trusting that they did the process. They went through what they were supposed to. They didn't diagnose him with a concussion, so he's he's clear to come back in the game. Whereas a year ago, I was more so like there's the NFL should do something more. But then it's almost is that fair to the player if they're not diagnosing him with a concussion, but he's still not allowed to come back in the game for what? Again, there's that independent neurologist, right? What I have to defend the docs, right? I mean, having been a part of this, you know, I've I've been a part of some of these concussion evaluations, and we put them through what we need to put them through, right? Now, there's also an independent neurologist, yeah. right? Again, like we said, they have no incentive to yeah. keep that guy in in the game, you know. That's not what they're getting paid for, and with everything that's going on with concussions in general. The NFL has made it clear that, you know what, that guy's out, he's out. Yeah. He That independent neurologist doesn't have to answer to, to any GM or whatever. Yeah. If he makes that call, he makes that call. So that's kind of my point where I, yeah. like, I, I've, I've now transitioned into believing that if, if, if a guy gets hit, no matter how hard and how bad it looks, if they put him back in the game, I mean, he went through the process and, yeah. and, and everyone said it's okay. I mean, like, Kev, do you think they should – do you think the process should be different after seeing the DAC stuff? I mean, I just watched the video again, and it wasn't like when he got hit, he like immediately like grabbed his head and like showed those like classic signs of like uh, a concussion. He got up slow, but he also just got rocked. And at what point in the game was this too? Second, second, second quarter. Well, he just ran the ball like that's exertional. Like you're tired. It was a third down. Which he didn't get the first down, so they punted. Yeah, and they disappointment. Went on like I'm not saying he has a concussion here. And Remember, guys, though, like even if they he grabs his head, think about it. If you get hit in the head, you're gonna grab your head. Yeah, right. And it doesn't yeah. mean that yeah, he was you like got fixing a concussion. his face mask. And you're yeah. wearing a helmet. You're gonna get yeah. grass in your helmet. You're, yeah, like, it I, doesn't mean anything yeah. from that standpoint. You know, and and you know, with the smelling salt part of it. Who knows who gave him that? Yeah, we can't even see. It could have say been an offensive lineman yeah. taking it out of his jock strap. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't. You don't I've know. got a video of wow. it. Actually, that yeah. would be quite the scent, huh? Uh, <laughs> the, the but like this is the. I would say I don't want to say I don't know how to say this to make it not seem bad, but uh, the only problem I think with the more with all the concussion, uh, just in general awareness, is that. I feel like the general public and like Tony Romo as an announcer and has now transitioned into thinking every time someone gets hit hard, yeah, it's a concussion. Yeah. Um, which is which is another thing that makes that that's really hard for the NFL to overcome. And it also points out the fact that concussions are really difficult to diagnose. It's not so straightforward. It isn't a hey, that's the type of hit, that's it, he's yeah. done. Yeah. Right? He yeah. got hit hard. He got a concussion. It also means that the athlete, 
the onus is on the athlete to really report his symptoms. Right. Right. What happens with these guys is a lot of them, they hide it because they just don't want to come out. Yeah. Right. If you look at the video, it honestly looks like the head coach gives him a smelling salt. <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but it does look like it. Jason Garrett, he's yeah. a shady guy. <laughs> that was a good. I don't know, I've never liked him. I think that was a good. Uh, that it's was not that, a. It was a pretty has good. Nothing uh, to do with the fact that I'm a Giants fan, but I hate that guy. <laughs> It was All a good, right. good discussion, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Good discussion. I don't know if we got anywhere, but we talked about it a lot. <laughs> Circular. But yeah, I don't I don't think it was I, he very well could not have had yeah. a concussion. Um speaking of another hit to the head, um, how the hell is this not the helmet roll? And if it's not, then what the hell is? And yeah. that's the hit on Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Which made the the thing that made this worse was the explanation that the ref gave. Right. How which like, is uh, we have a video of that. How well. he phrased it, which just made it sound so much worse. But think, it did look bad, too. I think we're going to add to one of Josh's stats later on. Oh, uh, with we, the helmet rule. Yeah. 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 That's the boy cast part. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that one. Uh, and then just an update, the hit on Amari Cooper from last week. Um, yeah. McDougald was fined $26,739. And they came out and said that it should have been a penalty. <laughs> It should have been a penalty. Yeah, you said yeah, it right. should have been a penalty. I mean, it's just it, it, it's so silly when they come out and say this these things should have been a penalty. Right. Yeah, just whatever. I think it's funny. To like go back and be like Yeah. Like, what, what good does that do? So Boyd, give us your stats for the week. Okay, so um thinking back, what did we have? Fifty one penalties in the preseason or like something 70. like that? Seventy? Yeah. Fifty fifty in the first two weeks and then like seventy that. overall. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um for the lowering the helmet uh leading with the helmet, whatever it was technically called. Rule. Which um, is like all the buzz going into the season. Well, yes, which was all the buzz going into the season. We had a lengthy preseason pod about it. Um, so through seven weeks, six weeks? Six weeks. So through six weeks, it's been called seven times. Uh, there's been 11 fines. Um, and there have been – this is the best part. There's been 65 warning letters. Soon to be 66. Yeah, soon to be 66 <laughs> or probably more than that. Warning letters sent to, I guess, individual players or teams to teams to the players. Um, Dear parent, your son <laughs> yeah. has engaged in – yeah, it's like he's a bad boy. <laughs> it's just kind of the silliest thing ever. Like, there's just no. You think these guys even open up the letter? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. test that out. I just, it's well, a warning letter doesn't do anything. But I mean, it's what is? I just don't. I don't even understand. Like, how do you even? You have different refs every week. How as as an NFL, how do you even know who got warning? Like, it there's not like okay, you're gonna get a warning. It's not in the rule. You get a warning this week, but if number twenty seven, you're you, you've been you were warned already last week. So if you do something similar, you're gonna get a penalty. Like these refs from week to week don't know. And yeah, like, they're keeping track of the sixty five yeah, guys who got the letters. Yeah. What's like what's 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 maybe the point? you maybe you induce uh something like what the um. Uh, what soccer has, you know, yellow cards, and then red cards, and then you get ejected. Yeah, yeah, that's a, not a bad idea. Five yard penalty, fifteen yard an injection. I mean, yeah. it's just something. It's just this is what I was afraid of, and we talked about at the beginning of the season that it was either going to go two two extremes. One, they were going to call it on every play because mm-hmm. they they can, or two, they just weren't going to call it at all, and they went the, they went the way of just not calling it. Why not in, induce like a card system like that? You know. Yeah, first offense is a yellow card, and then second offense, if it's the same player, they come in, you know, you miss a game just the same way. Right. 
because obviously nothing's changing nothing's going to change on how these guys play because of this rule which is the point of the rule the point of the rule isn't to make football any like penalize these guys it's to get them to change how they tackle which i don't know maybe there's a different maybe there's different ways of changing how they tackle but this rule obviously isn't i don't know it's not necessarily effective. Yeah, it's it, it the the long the more and more weeks that go by without these penalties being called, the more and more it looks like the they this was just a PR rule for in, in the off season. That was a very good talking point. But all that. season, like this hit in particular with yeah. on Baker Mayfield, it so it's blatant. like how is that not a helmet rule call? It's blatant. Well, there's I mean there's he launched himself. Yep. He initiated contact with the helmet. Like it, it was everything to the definition of the helmet rule, yeah. and to not call it, it's like and it was well, like the only thing that made contact was helmet and helmet yeah. that was all it was there was nothing else i mean if you sit down and watch football for six hours even if you, even you should watch from one to seven you watch the one o'clock and the four o'clock i mean you're watching a game you'll see five to ten like blatant to the letter of the law plays that should be flagged based on how the new helmet rule is written that just don't even even get talked about, let alone like, oh, they missed the refs missed that one. It's just not even mentioned. I still think we need an introduction to Boydcast. I'm going to campaign for that all season. Well, you pick a song and I'll make it happen. Production manager, a jingle, a jingle. All right, as we wrap up this this week's episode, we'll finish or we'll start to finish up with our boy Vontez. We have a video of all the hits that he. I did, did in week six well, the, that got yeah. him these fine or the fine. Yeah. Uh, so he got fined one hundred and twelve thousand dollars for all like accumulative of multiple plays and three plays. Three warned plays. <laughs> again, warned that if he did similar things again, that it would he would be suspended. I don't know. It just. I mean, how 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 much has he been fined over the years? Yeah, four point one five million dollars with before. That's Before taxes. No, no, no. <laughs> That's $4.1 million is before lost game checks. And before, t- I don't know, before taxes. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know so I find that uh, so funny. $4 million is just in fine money. And then there's money that he's lost. In Think money. about that. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, Would it you change your behavior for $4.15 million? The craziest part is, like, he's oh, it's his team, the head coach, and his owner, like, has his back and, like, thinks he's being targeted. Yeah. And, like, What's, like, a really bad habit that you have? Crazy. That you would be willing to keep doing even if someone was going to pay you $4.15 million pay, not to do? Pay me? Pick my nose? Leave the toilet lid open? Leave the toilet lid open. If someone paid you four point one five one five million dollars, would you stop? It's, that's oh, it's not the same, Josh. The same. Yeah, I'm just trying to have fun, <laughs> right? Same. I'll just stop having fun. It's not the same. Okay, so <laughs> we'll finish off with the NFL way to play uh, player of the week for week six, and that award goes out to Buccaneers linebacker Levante David for making a great tackle uh, on hey. the Falcons running back Ito Smith. He lit him up. Yeah, this was my. I think this is my favorite one of the year so far, just yeah. because it's there's there's no. It's a great tackle, and I can't think of a bias from it. Like yep. it was, it was a one o'clock game on a Sunday, and I mean he's a he's a Pro Bowl player. He's a good player, but I mean it wasn't a superstar. It wasn't a quarterback. It's like this was what the the award was designed to. I think highlight right. was great form tackles. 
Um, and the previous weeks, I think they've kind of like twisted it to make it what they want it to be. But this is it's because they're listening. <laughs> they're like, ah, we got to take a week off and throw these guys. Those off freaking the heads and tails guys are on to us. <laughs> Damn that Boyd cast. <laughs> Seriously, but. As always, thank you very much for all your hard work preparing for this uh, episode every week, uh, gentlemen. And uh, I'm looking forward to to next week. Mischief night next week. Ooh. All right, we got to do something, like, super naughty. You know, I was hoping that my Chucky joke would have really done something. I've already thought about my cover art for next week. It's going to be definitely Halloween-related, and there may or may not be our faces on pumpkins. Nice. (laughs) Right. Looking <laughs> nice. forward to it. Like we're gonna be like well the done. jack lanterns. Well done. All right. Till next week. <laughs>